For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. When I'm looking at lines, when I'm looking at you know point spreads, over-unders, there's nothing that I find more interesting and more fascinating to bet on than a ginormous point spread. And this week in the NFL, we got one. Kansas City, New York, 19 and a half points. And when I look at a matchup like this, it's just so interesting because you know Kansas City is going to blow them out. But does the Jets score a late touchdown to maybe bring it to 17? It's so much fascinating. Give me Kansas City because I think they're going to blow them out the wazoo. And it's not just that game that I find interesting. From all the different spreads in this week's NFL's game, there's plenty of stuff to bet on. And bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place on the web, on the internet. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football podcast, a podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? I am Peter Warren. I am joined once again by my co-host, former All-Big Ten receiver Jeremy Ebert. Jeremy, you know, I, I hate to toot our own horns, but you look at what Northwestern did this past weekend, 43-3 to clobbering a Maryland. And I feel like, you know, we were we were right on a lot of what we were saying last week about this game. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> again, not to be, you know, toot our own or, or get cocky here, but we did mention a lot of the things that Northwestern came out and did, and they did pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, one place to start, we can talk about the offense. We were big believers in what this offense was going to do this season, you know, with Peyton Ramsey, our quarterback with Mike Jake and our offense coordinator, and they looked not just dynamic, but they just looked like in control of the game for, you know, the first time in probably since Clayton Thorson was, you know, at quarterback. I agree. I, I just thought it was it was great to see, like, you know, a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, and just the, like, control, but just, like, the knowledge. Everyone's seen there wasn't no, like, confusion on offense. Everyone – was it like it looked like it was a well-oiled machine and then that Peyton had been in the system for years. Um, he just looked in control of the game, in control of the huddle. Um, and, you know, I think that's the biggest difference from last year to this year is our quarterback really kind of took control of that offense. Mm-hmm. No, definitely Peyton 
great game. 23 of 30, 212 yards, one passing touchdown, another one on the ground. Also ran for 47 yards and, you know, didn't get sacked at all. You know, you have to give credit to that offensive line coming in with a little bit of question marks. Toronto played great on the left. And, I mean, you mentioned it. You know, it's just Peyton really looked like he's been the offense for a while. And even all the other guys as well, especially considering, you know, first game of Bajakian, sort of a weird year trying to get stuff prepped. You know, why do you think Northwestern came out looking just so confident and so good? I mean, I think that the preparation was there. The coaches had him ready to play. I mean, Peyton hitting eight different receivers throughout the game, just his confidence level, I think it just brought the, you know, elevated everyone else in that huddle. Um, you could just see his poise and everything throughout the, the course of the game, and he, he really just kind of just trickled down to everyone else. I know that, you know, they, they really fed the ball to Bowser, you know, with he had 23 carries. You know, obviously didn't gain as much as, you know, Drake Anderson didn't really pop off any long runs. But, I mean, we, we stuck to the ground game and we, we spread it out to a lot of different people. And I think that it kept Maryland on, on their toes. You know, they didn't really know it was going to hit them the whole game. And it, it, was, it was fun to watch, man. It was, that's the first time our offense has looked dynamic in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned sort of guys getting touches. You know, there's at least a baker's dozen, you know, you know guys on, on the outside or the inside or rushing the ball who, who picked up a touch today or on Saturday. I mean, not just sort of guys you expect, like, you know, Riley Lees, you know, John Rain, but some of the you know, younger guys also against the reps. Wayne Dennis made a catch. You know, Marcus Cisco got a few carries. There's a lot of guys who just sort of obviously a little bit different considering it was, you know, a blowout at the end. I mean, you're just getting guys in there, and everybody looked like they knew what they were doing. It wasn't like one guy didn't know what they were doing and sort of had to hide. Everybody looked competent in that offense, you know, from day one, which is you would really love to see. Yeah, and I mean, that's I guess that's the good thing about having um, a new offensive coordinator is everyone starts at zero with them, you know. So the whole offense gets to learn at once. So everyone's really at the same level of knowledge there. Um, but just for them to grasp so much and be so confident and look so good so like so early on, I think is is it's a huge boost for our team, you know. Um, where we knew our defense was going to be stout. You know, we knew that they were going to be, you know, the backbone of our team. But to have an offense like that to show up week one, I think was just a great start to our season and a great, you know, momentum for our team. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier I thought was really interesting, sort of. Isaiah Bowser, 23 carries. They really fed him a lot, you know, on the ground game. How important do you think it will be for this team to establish a run with someone like Bowser to not just open up the passing, opportunities but also a guy like drake anderson has a great you know change of pace back i think obviously i think that's what they did at boston college a lot is they really just kind of pounded it in there and they just physically just beat up teams up and down the field and then to have that drake anderson um the evan hall a little burst of speed to get around the corners you know it just gives you a great change of pace to your offense and it really just again keeps that defense guessing um you know and, and they just found ways to get guys the ball they found you know, Riley to get a touch on the ground. If, you know, McGowan got a touch on the ground. I mean, they found ways to get people the ball and um, in unique ways. Uh, like we talked before the show, like, um, you know, you found different intricate ways to get touches to people. And I thought that was just, it was awesome, man. It, it was really exciting to watch our offense for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there something that I really loved, you know, watching this game on, on Saturday 
was those touches for guys like Riley Lees and Kyrick McGowan, you know, out of the backfield. Kyrick even set up when they were going, you know, in the shotgun, you know, running backs on both sides. He was he was in there. I think that's a really interesting look going forward because you saw a little bit of it last year. Obviously, some of that was injuries. But Kyrick and Riley are both, you know, shifty guys, guys who can make plays with their feet. You know, they've always been great yards after the catch. But just, you know, Bajakian has been emphasizing this, and the players have also been emphasizing this, you know, ever since came in, that it's all about getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And I look at Kyrick and Riley as two of the biggest, you know, playmakers, game changers on this offense. I think just finding creative ways to bring them into the offense, you know, maybe get them going if they're having a struggling game, is just going to make this offense flow even smoother when, when a tougher challenge comes ahead. No, absolutely. And, and you know, those are our proven playmakers. And, you know, you had guys, again, like Evan Hall stepping up and, and Drake Anderson, you know, creating those big plays that, you know, weren't always there last year. You know, it's good to see Drake get the get the touches and hopefully get some confidence because I know, you know, last year he had some had some fumble issues. You know, I thought that was great, um, you know, making the big plays he did this game. And then, you know, overall, it's just our offense just looked like they had been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of one of the other guys who has not been in the offense a long time, you know, John Rain coming in, you know, not – from Florida Atlantic grad transfer, not a lot known about him other than sort of the basics, you know, coming from, you know, not a, not a group of five team. There were a little bit of question marks, but all, all reports sort of throughout were sort of like he was going to be the favorite. He was gonna, and he came out and played a really, really good game at, at, I guess, the new position of tight end. Right. And I think you touched on it, you know, our pre-show, uh, the pre-game show, man, like he was going to be your, your X factor, <laughs> you know, we expected some big things, and, and he stepped up, you know, to have that now, I guess, true tight end in our offense. You know, it was nice to see, um, you know, him establish himself as definitely a, a key person for our offense. Mm. And I think before we go to the defense, you said something that just makes total sense to me right there. Establish himself. I felt like the offense on Saturday, they established themselves, not just as, as a competent offense, as an offense that's good and can move the chains when they want. You know, they were very quick for most obsessions, but to come out in the third quarter to have a 17-play, you know, eight-plus-minute drive pretty much to put any final nails in the coffin and to sort of take all the wind out of Maryland sales. I mean, that's, that, that's the type of offense and type of playmaking type of stuff a team does when you're really good and you're confident and you know you can just sort of you know, take your time and just sort of beat a team into the ground, into oblivion. And that's what they did on that, on that final possession third quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't have said it any better, man. I, I, they, they looked that they were completely dominant all night. And uh, that was just the nail in the coffin. And that's something that we never really have seen in, in recent years is, is a Northwestern offense, just bury somebody, you know, it's all. I feel like I feel like it's the cardiac cat. We're always like it's always like a nail biter. Like that's why I have gray hair in my beard, man. It's it, and this was the first time we're like going in the fourth quarter. Like we were like in well control of the game, and there was no doubt in our minds that we we were going to win that game. And um, you know we haven't been able to do that in a while. Now you're totally right about that. And speaking of domination, came on the defensive side of the ball as well. You know Tua Tonga Bailoa ended up getting the start, like we suggested, but. Other than the first drive where they went down for the field goal, he didn't look very comfortable. You know, 
he threw three interceptions, sacked twice, you know, a fumble on, on, a, on a kickoff return for them. You know, the defense and special teams for this Northwestern team, you know, there was less questions about it than on the offense. But, I mean, the secondary, there was a lot of questions, you know, kicking game and pretty much everything you were worried about for this team. This game, albeit it was Maryland, really sort of shored up a lot of those questions. Really did. And honestly, the one, the big question mark for us, you know, was the defensive line. And, and they really stepped up. They played tough the whole game, established the line of scrimmage. Um, I feel like he was always under pressure. Um, our defensive game plan, I think, was great. We gave him a bunch of different looks and a different blitz packages. But all night, man, we just we, – we looked like a Northwestern team that, you know, we hoped we would see. You know, we, didn't, we weren't sure of it. And they, they, they showed up and play, played an unbelievable game top to bottom, all three phases. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the D-line, you know, Ernest Brown, uh, Adeware, Jason Gold, Ekuliota, a lot of guys, young guys without much experience playing all three downs, really stepping up and making, you know, a big impact. There is my one worry would be that there are a couple injuries now. You know, Trevor Kent didn't didn't dress, was inactive, and then Jason Gold left with an injury. He's now out. So usually I'd say it's a little bit of an issue. But you look at their backups and it's it's Jake Saunders and and, and Joe Spivak, two seniors, two guys with plenty of experience. So I think, you know, you mentioned it was great to see that line sort of come up and show up. Especially was you know they're going to be playing some maybe even younger guys than before. Just to sort of have that establishment there that can build up going forward. I think is going to be huge. No, absolutely. Like like you said, man, it's it's the next man up mentality right now. Um, especially with this COVID thing on, everyone's got to be prepared. You don't know what's going to happen if someone tests positive or whatever. And just I, for the first time, we, you know, not in the first time, but we we have depth at key positions. Um, you know, maybe not so much in the linebacker room. Uh, that's, you know, equal play to like Patty and those guys, but we have depth and it's nice to see. And a lot of guys played um, at the end of the game and they looked really good. Um, So I just think overall, like we're looking pretty good. And we, for the most part, we stayed pretty healthy. I mean, obviously some guys got dinged up, but that, you know, that's football. But um, I think, you know, overall our defense looked just as dominant as we believe they would be. Mm Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the linebackers. I mean, the, the three guys there, Chris Bergen, Patty Fisher, Blake Alger, all, all had themselves four tackles, just, you know, a stout game. Uh, per usual, there's usually not much I have to say other than they looked good and, and, they, and they played well because, I mean, that's just sort of what, what I expect out of them at this point. No, it, exactly. Those, those three guys are definitely the leaders of our, of our defense. And, um, you know, they played, played a great game, got us lined up right, made the right adjustments, right calls. You know, they're definitely the, the quarterbacks on the field for our defense. And, um, you know, they played like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, third group on the defense, the secondary. I mean, talk about a lot. of We had talked about Travis Willock. You know, the Greg Newsom news, you know, was report, rumored earlier in the week, but it was officialized on Saturday that he wasn't going to play. So they had to have some guys really step up, some young guys. And you look at the top of, this, of, the, of the, you know, box score for tackles, who is it? It's Brandon Joseph and Rod Hurd, two guys with very minimal experience, you know, stepping up and leading the team in tackles and overall leading a secondary where there are a lot of question marks to have, you know, an excellent game. Absolutely. I think Brandon Joseph played an outstanding game, man. I mean, being a redshirt, you know, coming in, this is his first year, or second second year, I guess he, he played four games last year but was redshirted. Um, you know, really stepping up and making plays. 
had a TFL. I mean, led the team in tackles. That's that's unbelievable for a first real like start. So um, yeah, man, I I think they stepped up. Had some big key turnovers, which we talked about. We knew that was going to be key for our defense this year to actually get some turnovers. You know, they stepped up and did that. And, um, you know, I think that was just uh, – it really kind of crushed Maryland. You know, I think our, our turnovers came in some key points, and they really um, kind of took the, the wind out of the sails for, for Maryland, especially after, that, especially after that first drive, man. You know, driving 56 yards, taking some time off – is that, you know, time off the clock, and then, you know, settling for a field goal. You know, I kind of thought we were going to be in a little bit of a battle. But, um, you know, coming out and then, you know, getting those turnovers, I think it really just kind of killed Maryland there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I said, three three interceptions on the day. You know, J.R. Pace, A.J. Hampton, and, and Coco Zima getting one, you know, later in the contest. But the two interceptions from A.J. Hampton and, and J.R. Pace, both, you know, looking like wide receivers out there, you know, t- tough balls. AJ's a little bit out ahead of the receiver. He had to get there first. JR, a little bit of an acrobatic catch. I mean, we talked, you know, we talked a lot about last year, and everybody really talked a lot about the lack of turnovers. And just look at that, you know, look at the team, especially in the secondary, and sort of, it looked like they were sort of getting back to their, their ball hawking ways back when, you know, Kyle Cairo and Godwin Iguibuque were there. And just sort of, that was just also good to see. Whereas, like, the, court, the defensive backs didn't look afraid to try to make plays that they, especially at the end of the year, sort of looked a little bit hesitant about. Right. And, and that's the other thing is like these young guys, when young guys play at the beginning, they are hesitant, you know, they, because they don't want to make a mistake. And they just, they look like they were just flying around having fun, you know, and, and that, that's, that's great to see, man. They're playing with confidence. And to play DB, you got to be a confident guy because you're out there on an island a lot of times. So I, I just think it was great to see how they were playing, their attitude. They had the swagger back. Like they were, they played like, like you said, like, the Godwins and the the Ibrahim Campbells back there just ball hawking people left and right. And I, it was it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy we haven't mentioned yet that you thought played an excellent game. That and that's Cam Ruiz. You know, got earned a starting you know cornerback job alongside Greg Newsom became the top corner. You know for Saturday's game. You know what did you see from him that really impressed you? Again, I I thought he just stepped up and made plays. You know. Had the sack, you know, got, got the TFL, but he just – he was the playmaker. And, um, you know, he came in with, with, you know, a lot of unknowns about him. Um, and he really just stepped up and, and came up big when he needed to. And I thought that was that was great. You know, and being a, a local kid, you know, from Lake Villa, I thought, you know, it was his, his, it's his, basically his time to shine. He, you know, played 12 games last year's red shirt – or two years ago. So this is like, you know, he's a junior now. So – He's got to step up and make plays, and he did. And um, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. You know, let's go back into Brandon Joseph. You know, seven tackles, five solo, a TFL. I mean, you're, that's production you expect from Travis, from Travis Willock at, at that position. You know, he was a tackle machine. So, you know, obviously, you know, Maryland, not, not the best opponent, a little bit of a weird game in that regard. But just, you know, sort of like replace a guy like Travis, you know, an all honorable all Big Ten player last year, and sort of get very similar production. That's you know that, that's a credit to Brandon Joseph for getting prepared. That's a credit to that entire you know defense to helping him get initiated and get quick and get in the flow of the game quickly. That's just also it's a great sign for this team going forward. Oh, absolutely! Just a young guy that's going to step up and make plays. We got a lot of years with him left, so it's just it's just him now to continue to develop and get better. 
you know, each, each week and each, you know, cause each week's going to bring a new challenge. You know, Iowa's a tif- a totally different team than Maryland. So, you know, he's going to, he's going from a, a pass heavy offense to Iowa's going to come down and smack you in the face. So, um, you know, each week's going to bring his own challenge. He's just going to continue to develop, get better each week. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we just, you know, he can continue the success and we have a, a very good looking secondary in the future to come. Mm-hmm. And before, before we get to Iowa, I do want to make a note. There's been a lot of obvious talk about, you know, Maryland not being very good, being maybe the worst team in, in the big 10 and that, you know, this game should be taken with a grain of salt. And there is some truth to that, but it's a lot of what we talked about last week in the fact that this is still, you're starting with a, a big 10 game, you know, in a, in a big 10 environment, like that says a lot to come out and just thoroughly dominate a fellow big 10 team like that. And whether or not it's, you know, a team as quality as Maryland, but to come out and do what Northwestern did. That is a statement to the rest of the conference. I couldn't agree with you more. And the, the fact that you're going to say Maryland isn't like the best team in the big 10. Yeah. We all know that they're not as old and as mature and, you know, they got a transfer quarterback and, and all that, but there are a big 10 team. They're, <laughs> they're going to beat a majority of the teams in this country. So to downplay them as like a worst team in the big 10 is not, you know, saying they're a bad team at all. They they're still a, a good team and they're going to get better as the year goes on. You can believe that, especially with, with a young quarterback, you know, transferring in, like they're going to grow and get better. Um, I just thought, you know, we were very much the dominant team and I don't think it really mattered who we were playing across. We, we came out and we played Unbelievable, and it was it was absolutely fun to watch, man. Uh, mm. I've been jacked up since Saturday. <laughs> and you know, looking forward now, another chance to get, especially against Iowa. I know how much Northwestern, you know, you, Coach Fitz, the whole the whole program has really come to make this game a rivalry game with Iowa, and it should be exciting. You know, the Hawkeyes are coming in off a little bit of a surprising loss to Purdue at Purdue. You know, they were up in the fourth quarter before, you know, a couple of scores by Purdue flipped it at the end. But I think this is going to be a really, really interesting game and a game with a lot of implications for the for the big for the Big Ten West race, especially now with, you know, Wisconsin having a, a COVID scare, losing, you know, not just uh, Graham Mertz, but also another quarterback to COVID. So there's going to be a lot of question marks there. And if they drop a few games, I could see the winner of this game really, you know, stepping up and going into the driver's seat for a potential, you know, Big Ten, Big Ten West title. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's always a big game when you play Iowa, and you know they're going to come ready to play. Uh, you know, um, that was a tough loss to Purdue, but you know, Kurt Ferentz has been doing this at Iowa for what now 20, 20 some years, twenty two years. So he he knows how to coach. He knows he's going to get this team ready. Um, you know, I think it's to our advantage that we have a first-year offensive coordinator. So it's a little bit, you know, different from from what they're going to expect from a typical Northwestern team that they've been dealing with since, you know, McCall's been there. But it's going to be a dogfight. It always is with Iowa. So, um, yeah, I think whoever, you know, has the upper hand in this this next game does does hold, you know, the, the favorites to win the West for sure. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And then – you know, you mentioned a lot of really good points there about it's always a, a dog fight with Iowa. And I'm looking, you know, I'm checking the weather because I, you know, one thing we talked about last week was sort of Maryland, maybe not being used to cold weather. 
you know, according, according to the, what the weather.com, it's going to be, you know, 59, a high of 59 on Saturday in Iowa City, which is going to be significantly warmer than it's been any other time, sort of even the last week or so in Evanston. You know, it's going to supposed to be stay fairly high throughout the game. So that's honestly a potentially a good sign for Northwestern, you know, having to travel and not getting, you know, awful conditions, getting it out, you know, mostly sunny, a decent high for the end of October in the Midwest. And that could also open up some, some just making the team feel comfortable, you know, even though Kinnick is not going to have the, the wilded fans that it usually does, especially against Northwestern. It's still, you know, going to be a, an intimidating place to play. Oh, and Iowa is, man. It, it's, it's a great place to play football. The atmosphere um, is unbelievable. It's, it's sad that they're not going to get to experience that. But um, at the same time, you know, it kind of, kind of plays to our advantage. Um, I, I feel like, you know, with, with a new off and, and, you know, making calls and, you know, you don't have to do a silent count on, on offense is, um, it's definitely an advantage uh, for the Wildcats. So um, it should be interesting. You know, I'm, it's going to be weird seeing Kinnick empty, but um, I just, I feel like Iowa's going to bounce back. They're going to be ready to play us. They always are uh, talking to a few ex Iowa athletes. They always call it a trap game when they play us. Um, so it should be a, it should be a dogfight, man. I'm excited to see us. I just, I really hope we could keep, take this momentum on offense and just keep rolling though. Cause Honestly, with just the strength of our team being our defense, if we could put up some points, I, I don't really see a lot of teams scoring on us. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the offense there. You know, what do you want to see this offense continue to do? You know, especially in this game against Iowa. Well, we need to stay healthy for one. Um, you know, Peyton Ramsey and the quarterback. We like how we staying clean, not getting sacks. That's got to be priority number one. Uh, and then just keeping that rhythm going, man. Keep spreading the ball out. Um, and just having fun, playing with confidence, and uh, establishing our running game is going to be huge. Uh, we knew we were going to run it a lot. You know, I think with a young offensive left tackle, we're going to, you know, continue to do that. Um, that's just going to be something we better get used to. Um, and then just making plays like Peyton did with his feet is going to be um, big for us picking up, you know, those third downs. So I, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. One thing I definitely want to see is is if Northwestern can establish the run like it did against Maryland. Obviously, Iowa a much different you know type of defense, a much sturdier front seven, and it's gonna and, you know it'll be a challenge you know especially for you know sort of a, a fairly young mixed experienced offensive line, plus you know trying trying to get Bowser you know a lot of touches but you know only average about three yards a carry. You can try to get that up and then open up more lanes for, for Drake Anderson. I think that'll be really, really key going forward because then it'll open up, you know, not just play action, but also just the chance for, you know, ball to get into the hands of Kyrick and Riley and maybe some jet sweeps, some, you know, interesting stuff out of the backfield. And I think establishing, you know, to run, you know, not just on, on first or second down, but even on short third downs with, with Bowser and really trying to have him really be a workhorse, I think is going to be huge. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, with – I mean, obviously I was, was down, so they threw the ball a little bit more. But, you know, they didn't really – I feel like they didn't really run the ball as much as, as a normal Iowa team does. You know, they, they're kind of known for their offensive line and grounding and pounding. And, um, you know, and, and they have like – I felt like it was a little bit of a mixed bag uh, against Purdue. But um, I definitely – 
I expect them to try to establish their run with us a lot more um, than what they would, what they showed against Purdue. So um, I think it's going to be a big test for our front seven on, on, on defense for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also, you know, Spencer Petrus is Iowa's quarterback, redshirt sophomore, started his first game against Purdue, was solid, uh, 22 of, of 39 for, you know, over 200 yards. I believe he threw for the most yards for an Iowa quarterback in his debut since 2000. So it was a solid start. But, you know, you know, again, sort of couldn't get it done in the clutch, couldn't perform, you know, outside of the second quarter where they scored 17 other points, only three points in three other quarters. I wonder what Northwestern can do and what you would suggest Northwestern do to try to make, you know, Spencer Petrus continue to feel uncomfortable and, un- and underperform when, you know, the, the clutch time comes. Well, exactly, exactly what you said, man. I, th- I think we ha- we have to keep him uncomfortable, I and mean, you know we have to keep our our looks and disguises up well. I think you know with the the experience we have in in the linebacking core, we're going to get lined up right. Um, you know, um, but we have to keep him uncomfortable. We have to blitz. We have to show him different looks. Um, he, you know, this is his second start, so anything we could throw at him that he hasn't seen before is is going to confuse him and frustrate him. So that's all we have to do is is continue to frustrate him. You know, he didn't throw any interceptions. Um, so, you know, he's taking care of the ball. But, if, you know, we can create a turnover, you know, maybe get him down on himself a little bit like that. You know, that's going to be that's going to be huge for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely going to be curious to see. You mentioned sort of them establishing more at a run. I'm going to be really interested to see how Northwestern fares against this, this offense on third downs. I mean, Maryland, you know, they kept Maryland at bay a lot on third down. Maryland really didn't have any success at all on third down. I feel like this is definitely going to be more of a challenge because, you know, I expect Iowa to be in a lot more, you know, third and medium, third and short situations compared to the, the third the third and medium and third and longs that Maryland was in. Right. And it's obviously a totally, totally different ball game trying to defend a third and nine compared to a third and two. So I think that's going to be a challenge. I want to see how Northwestern not just approaches, but attacks and tries to continue the, you know, the big playmaking they did against Maryland. Yeah, like I was not going to hurt themselves. You know, they're a well-disciplined team, well-coached team. They're not going to make, you know, mental errors and, and dumb mistakes um, that, that Maryland, you know, was, was you know, fortunate for us doing. So I think, you know, they're going to come out, they're going to they're going to drive the ball and we're going to have to stand tall and, and stand firm because, um, the, you know, they are they are a good team. They are coached well. They're going to come back, you know, ready to play. They're, they're not a team that I've ever seen roll over or not show up on a Saturday. So you're going to get their best game next week, and, you know, we have to be up to the task. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this game. What's one thing, you know, you think Northwestern fans should, should look out for or watch and sort of see how, you know, sort of a, a more smaller detail they can look at to sort of be like, tell how the game is going. Well, the uh, Purdue threw the ball a ton against Iowa and had some success. You know, obviously turned the ball over a few, uh, Aiden O'Connell turned the ball over a few times to Iowa th- through the air. But if we could stay clean in the turnover margin, man, and, and win the turnover battle, I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, you know, they're going to give us, Iowa is who Iowa is, man. They don't really change. So we know what they're going to do defensively. They just don't – they do what they do very well. They keep it very simple, and they do everything – like all the fundamentals very well. They don't miss tackles. They don't blow coverages. 
So for it's going to be us methodically driving the ball down the field. They don't really give up too many big plays. So I think for us, if, if we could bust a big play on them, get their confidence down early, I think that's going to be huge. But we're going to be have to have to like what we did to start the second half. We're going to have to methodically drive it and be consistent and, and drive the ball on Iowa and score. We can't get down to the red zone and not score. Um, so I think that's going to be huge for us. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Kubander really had one of his, the best games of his career on Saturday against Maryland. And you mentioned getting into the red zone and scoring. You know, having him come into a game like this with a lot of confidence, hitting two, you know, not, you know, it wasn't even, there were clear hits from 43 yards. Mm-hmm. Having him come in, especially in a game like this where there might be a lot of field goals, there tends to be a lot of, you know, special teams action. I think that's honestly massive for this team because you have Charlie Kubander, you know, back to his form, even better form than he had his freshman year after struggling the last two years. I mean, that's just a game changer at Northwestern then have the luxury of, of having confidence and belief, you know, whether it's due to injuries or other reasons in its kicking game the last two years. But to have that now, I think it's just going to be massive going forward. And you, and you mentioned it, you know, they're going to have to score points when they get in close. And having Kuban, they're confident about himself, extends sort of that, you know, potential scoring area, to, you know, 25 yards out, maybe even 30 yards out, depending on how the wind is going. And I think that's just going to be, you know, a potential game changer for this Northwestern team, not just in this game, but going forward. Well, I think that's a great point. Like, like you said, man, kickers are weird. Um, you know, they have to, they're, they're, they're lacking confidence. They're not going to be kicking well. And it's, it's great to see Charlie coming out and hitting those because boosting his confidence is going to be huge for us. And we're going to need him this year. There's no doubt about it. You know, kicking game always comes into play. Um, there's always tight games in the Big Ten, and for for able to have a, a confident leg like that, that's going to be hitting them from forty plus is is huge for us. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned, you know, their the methodical drive to start a third quarter, and they're really to, really need to do that. That's something I'm going to be really fascinated to see because a lot of what Mike Bajakian has been has been preaching in this off season, and the team's been preaching, is going faster. You know, hustling. I know in practices they were trying to get every snap off. You know. With 20 seconds or more left on, on the on the on the clock, so it'll be interesting to see if they really you know try if they're forced whether by a choice or or by not to sort of have to slow down and play methodical. If they can keep up that that like the you know the goodness they had on that on that one drive, which is really you know not as I mentioned earlier not just sort of fun to watch but just sort of like a great display of how you can you know just crush a team into a pulp and really take all the wind out of their sails, all the air out of the balloon. And, you know, against a team like Iowa, you know, especially if they're up late in the third or in the fourth, you're going to need a drive like that just to not just, you know, take the wind out of their sails, but to cut off on, on their time session. Because Iowa is not a fast team. They're also a slow, methodical team. And the more time, especially at the end of the game, you can take away from having offense. You're just going to force them into more uncomfortable situations. Oh, yeah. And honestly, honestly, historically, that's all what we've used to do is just hurry up, hurry up because they're not used to it. And they got their big guys up front. And by doing hurry up and not substituting, those guys have to stay out there. So just tiring out and wearing them down with that speed and and mixing that in with, you know, huddling and methodically moving the ball up and down and, you know, converting key third downs is going to be huge. But, yeah, running our offense and doing what we did on Saturday – at, at a certain tempo and speed, 
is definitely what we're going to have to do. That's that's kind of what I was pushing at is like methodically driving down the field. Like we're going to have to continue to just get third downs and converting and, and establishing long drives, not necessarily a lot of time of possession, but more or less just like continue to rack up first downs because they're not going to really give up the big play to us. Um, that's just something they really don't do. Um, they're so well coached on defense and, and fundamentally sound that they kind of limit you on what on what you do. But you just take what they give you and just keep driving and driving and pushing, and that's that's kind of uh, what I'm hoping we see. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the X factor for you this game? I I think Peyton Ramsey's going to have to play his best game as a quarterback um, for us for us to win. No, you know he's not going to have not going to be able to turn the ball over. Um, he's going to have to be smart with his passes, and he's going to have to hit some key third down passes um, in some in some tight windows. So he's my he's my X factor. Um, I'm expecting a big game out of him. Just, just how he showed up week one. I think he's going to come out and play with a ton of confidence. I'm excited to watch him. That's a great one. I'm going to go with another guy we talked about who had a great game against Maryland, Brandon Joseph, especially, you know, it's going to be a, a big battle for the front sevens, but to have Brandon Joseph be able to sort of be that, you know, like Travis Wallach did in, in these big games, you know, go close to the line and really sometimes act as sort of like an, uh, an extra linebacker, you know, and really, hold teams down and let, you know, JR play the free safe, the free safety position. He's going to do so well. You know, I just really hope if he can step up and especially neutralize some of those outside runs from Iowa, I think that'll be huge in setting them up in those third and long, third and, you know, medium situations that are going to be in favor of Northwestern compared to the third and shorts. That's a great pick, sir. Mm-hmm. Great pick. And then, I of mean, course. Overall, man, I, th- I, I honestly – if we come out and play like we did, I think we run away with it. Really? I think we run away with it. I, I just – I've not seen us look that that fun on offense and move the ball around like that to that many like to that many athletes in a long time. You know, we weren't predictable at all. It, it, I, I honestly think I was going to have a hard time containing us. So, so what, what – you got a final score prediction or you, you just think it's going to be Northwestern? Yeah. Right now? I think I think we're gonna run away. I think it's gonna be like a 31-14, 31-17. I just I I love the way we came out and played. I love it. I'm I'm not I'm not as as confident in the blowout All as right. you. <laughs> but I I believe I believe Northwestern's gonna win this game. I believe for the most part they will be in control from the jump. Um, you know I I'm not sure what the line is off the top of my head, but I I think Iowa might be favored. Surely are correct, which is surprising to me, considering you know how great Northwestern looked and how just okay Iowa looked, and I feel like you know Northwestern. The crazy thing about Northwestern too, they always plays well at Kinnick. You know, it's not like going to this, this scary, you know, this this hype, this sacred stadium is scary. For me, it always seems like. The Wildcats love to play at Kinnick. And everybody, you know, you mentioned earlier, you love to play at Kinnick. All these guys love to play at Kinnick. It's the nicest, it's the nicest away locker room in, in the Big Ten. And you know what? You have that locker room ain't changing because of COVID. Well, the fan situation is changing. So I'm probably gonna have Northwestern. I don't know if I'd be as confident say as as double digits, but I could see it at, at ten points. I can see it ten points at the end. Especially if you know, they get off to a hot start and I'll have to come from behind. I think that's just going to put Northwestern in a situation to potentially, you know, turn into a blowout. 
But, you know, I definitely think this is Northwestern's game to lose, and I don't expect them to lose. No, I don't. I, I, I agree with you. I, it could be tight, but, dude, the way we look on offense and how our defense is playing, I, I just I, – right now I'm, I'm riding high. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with my score. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you all for, for listening to this episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football podcast. Feel free to you know follow both me and Jeremy on Twitter, and don't feel free to give us a, a review here on all your favorite listening platforms. You know, we really appreciate all the reviews and all the all the suggestions and feedback you give us. Really appreciate it, and hopefully when we'll be back next week, another Northwestern you know W will be in the books. So for uh, for Jeremy Ebert, I'm Peter Warren. Have a have a great one. Go Cats. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.